God's investments. God's investments. In Matthew chapter 25, verses 14, beginning at verse 14, we have the story of the individuals who um, the, the landowner divvied out monies for them to invest and to use wisely. And sometimes uh, we are aware of what we possess as being very important, and sometimes we look at our life and think that we don't have that much to invest. And what we have to see is what God has, in, what the intent of God is in our life. I was moved with our Sunday school lesson this morning because of how that everything that we know of God is reflective of the character of God, reflective of the character of Jesus. Everything that we understand, we must understand it as coming from the heart of God to our heart to help us in dealing with life and to dealing with whatever is before us. So as we find ourselves um, encountering difficulties, we find ourselves looking to God to allow what he has for us to come into our life to help us deal with it. You know, and if we, if we pray for God to change somebody else, we've also got to pray that God would change us. Because in the prayer and, and in the things that are causing the difficulties, sometimes it's just things that we don't see correctly. Sometimes it's just things that we haven't perceived correctly. So the challenge is, what is that God wants to, what is God investing in us? And how are the circumstances of life teaching me about God's investment in, in my life? How that God is trying to do a work create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit. How is God trying to do all of this? Well, in Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, it is also like a man going off on extended trip. How many would like to go on an extended trip? (laughs) That's not where we're going to go with this lesson. Okay. He called his servants together and delegated responsibilities. Now, when we look at who we are, every one of us have responsibilities of some sort. Every one of us have responsibilities. So here is the landowner, but here is God giving us a picture that he has given to every one of us responsibilities. We have responsibilities to God, to ourselves, and to others to live our life and to be productive in what we say, do, feel, think, go, you know, the whole aspect of of our person is to be in a producing environment. Now, we know that we're not going to earn our way into the kingdom of heaven. We know that we can't earn um, positions in God's kingdom. But what we are looking at is how that who God is is going to become greater in me than he is now and that his this character of God flowing into my life will be one that has delegated to us responsibilities my responsibilities are not in China (laughs) my responsibilities are not in San Diego my responsibilities are with where I am at (laughs) what I touch what I influence, how that I influence the people that are, that are about me. And so as God is delegating responsibility, we each have responsibility to be the best person God wants us to be right where we're at. 
and how that that person is being interpreted, how that person is being lived. Now, some people can misinterpret, and that's, that happens. But the ultimate judge is that God is the judge, and he will interpret. He knows our thoughts and intents, and he will reward us accordingly. So he has delegated responsibility. To one, he gave $5,000. To another, 2000 To a third, 1000 depending on their abilities. Did you notice that it is by their abilities that this was divided? That God has not given us something that is above us. God has not invested in our lives in something, you know, he should have thought twice about that investment. <laughs> no. He knew exactly what he was doing. He, know ex- he knows exactly where we're at. And he knows exactly the responsibilities that he has delegated to our lives. And we all have different abilities. Now, sometimes we would think that we're lacking in some area, and therefore we withhold ourselves and hold ourselves back from going and doing because that's just not who we are but how do we know unless we try and how do we know that God is not expanding our boundaries expanding who we are and what he wants to do inside of us and with us but anyhow we see that he he is he knows our abilities and he knows what we're made of and he knows exactly what's going on and what uh, he needs to invest in our life Then he left right off, and first servant went to work and doubled his master's investment. The first servant went to work. (laughs) I didn't hear any amens, so I think. (laughs) He went to work. (laughs) Amen. How many go to work? You know, our, yes, yeah, we go to work. We go to work. We go to work on what we have. We work with what we have. That the Spirit of God is bestowing upon us supernatural powers and abilities and gifts and promises and things beyond our wildest dreams. And he is bringing that into our life and he is calling us then to work to be investors, to take what has been given to us and to invest it in the lives of other people. To invest in the lives of other people. Did you know that sometimes the greatest work that we have is is the gift of encouragement? (laughs) That we can be encouragers to other people. That we can compliment people. You know, um, our granddaughter... Uh, Emma, she can, she can look at you and she says, wow, what beautiful fingernails you have. <laughs> what beautiful earrings you have. You know what? Because she sees these little, these, she sees these things that she can compliment on. Now, I don't, I don't know how David and Jenny, if they're teaching her to do this, but this is what she does. She comes in, she basically looks you up and down and she doesn't find defaults with you. She finds something she likes about you. She loves the glitter. <laughs> So, in our lives, what do we see? What do we see that glitters? What do we see that's about people that is encouraging, that we can encourage them with? It is not a small thing to be an encourager. It is a great thing. Because it is our heart looking to their heart to make an impression of the hand of God upon their life. 
so this parable, this story that is given to us, um, implies that we are in a state of work. We are in a state of business, as it were, of, of giving of what has been given to us to be able to share it in such a way that it is going to come back into our lives by the hand of God as pressed down, shaken together, and running over. What we give, we get. With the same measure you give it out is the same measure you get it back. So here we have talents and we have abilities. We have giftings that someone else gave us. We have talents and we have abilities and giftings that somebody else, in, else has invested in our lives, and we have this. So we are at work, we are in the business of making sure that what others have invested in us, we invest back. What is the unwise servant? The unwise servant is the one who takes what he has, says, wow, let me build a bigger barn. (laughs) But the wise servant is the one who recognizes that the giftings that he has and the giftings that are given to us are about investing in the lives of others. Well, What is the expectation with that investment? What is the expectation? Hmm? To grow. Do we really believe that we're going to (laughs) grow? Do we really believe that what we have is, is growing? That it's going to really take off? Did you ever ask yourself, why would God invest in me? He must not have another place to put it, right? But he has invested in us because he sees our abilities and that what we have is in the expansion business. <laughs> that we are growing, we are in the, as it were, in the relational experience, the relational times that we can make somebody else's life better because of what we have in Christ. As believers... We have somebody who believes in us. See, the reason that Jesus and that God invests in us because he believes in you. (laughs) He believes in you to the point that he is willing to invest his spirit, his power, his love, his encouragement. He's he's bringing into our life all that he has. He's, He's bestowing it upon us so that it can be part of our reservoir, can be part of our Demeanor can be part of what we are sharing with other people. That is the changing of our character to become more like the character of Christ. Here is God. (laughs) He can speak anything into existence. He can change anything that he wants. God could just, you know know what, I'm tired of these people. (laughs) You know, I'm tired of this person. I'm tired of their failures. I'm tired. God doesn't, his character is one of grace and mercy. So God who can speak and do anything that he wants, he has chosen to work through your life. He has chosen to work through your words, through your hands, through your presence, through your heart, through your abilities. He has limited himself to become, to to invest himself through you. To reach the world, he has decided to work through you. Is he sick? <laughs> you know, that he would limit himself just to work through us? Does he have something to hide that he would limit himself to work through us? No. 
Tony Dungy, he was a Pittsburgh Steeler in Super Bowl 13, and uh, he's now a commentator on TV. But he's, he's noted very much for his Christian character and his Christian morals, and uh, he has a couple of books that he's written. But whenever he went to the Super Bowl with a team that he was coaching, his words to them were that it's not if we win or lose the game. It's how we play the game that people are going to remember. And how that we play the game is what people are going to remember. If you win, you're immortalized. If you lose, it is part of the rest of them. But what are they going to remember you as? And this is, and, and, and the character of God is placed inside of us so that when people remember you, they remember the quality of God in you, the character of God in you. That they remember the goodness of God because you were an encourager, you were an uplifter, you were the one that could be counted on, that your word was your bond, your desires were lining up with the desires of God, that people could look at you and your character and they could look at you and say, wow, they, they reflect the image of Christ. And you know, we, we would also throw in there with that, well, you know, they don't know the, this, this, and they don't know that, and they don't, God knows. See, the thing that, that I, I, I'm always amazed at is that God not, God not only knows all the bad things we've done, he knows all the bad things we're going to do. <laughs> he knows all the failures of our life, and he could sum them all up. But guess what? The sum total of all of our failures, from the time of our birth till the time of our death, uh, the sum total of those failures can never amount to an infinitesimal view in light of the grace and the mercy of God. They are completely overshadowed by his grace and mercy. So we cannot allow the failures and we cannot allow the secret things or whatever to get in the way. We must allow the presence of God, the purpose of God, and the, the influence of God to be part of what we say and do and act and become. And that all of the things that are seeming failures in our life, we continue to turn them over to God. We continue to ask God for his grace and his mercy. We continue to ask God to change us, to change others, to make us stronger, to make them stronger, to help us become what God wants us to be. Amen. So, <laughs> um, this, this lady was, uh, her husband was sitting on, a, on the couch in the TV room, she comes up behind him and hits him over the head with a frying pan. He goes, whoa, what'd you do that for? He said, I found this note in your pockets. And it was Sarah Lee. He goes, oh, that's nothing. That's just a horse I've bet on at the track. You know, a week later, she comes back in, and she has this big pan. She whacks him on the head and about knocks him out. And he gets back up. He says, what was that for? And she said, your horse called. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with this message, but it just popped in there, you know. Um, <laughs> so in our lives, 
we, we, are, we have a responsibility to live correctly. You know, I'll be sure your sins will find you out. But the finding out of our sin, the finding out of our character, and the finding out of our flaws is something we already know. We don't hide from anything. You see, we don't hide from anything. We don't hide from the bad. We don't hide from the good. We don't hide from the failures. We don't hide from the possibilities. Now, everything in our life is open. It's open before God. And he knows the thoughts and the intents of our heart, and everything is open before him. Everything that we see, this is why the devil uses all of your faults to trip you up. Because if you can be preoccupied with your faults, you will never venture out to see what your possibilities are. And with God, they're all open. Everything is open. I'm an open book before God. You are an open book before God. He doesn't secretly come in, you know, David, I knew that, that whatever, this and that. He comes in and he touches our lives and changes us from the inside out. His divine character flows into our life, and the more we know of God, the more we know of his character. And this character of God then takes the giftings that he has placed in our life, some 5,000, some 2,000, some 1,000, but he has put them in our life according to our abilities, Some t- the, our, most of our problems arise whenever we think, well, he only gave me a thousand. He doesn't really, <laughs> he only a thousand, but really it's five. He's given us the potential to double, to triple, to quadruple. He has given us the potential of being able to take who he is, what he has given us, and to multiply it. God is in the multiplication business, not in the addition He's always multiplying his blessings. He's always multiplying his grace. He's always multiplying our talents. Because as we become better at our talents, as we become better at the giftings, we use them. And what the fault is, we don't think of them as being very important because if they were really important, they'd be somebody, they'd be somebody else would have them. But God wants us to have them. And, you know, if we... If we wanted, if God wanted another, I always said this years ago, my mom, she would always say that, well, Billy Graham started out on a farm. You know, we, I started out on a farm. She thought I could be Billy Graham. <laughs> and uh, I said, Mom, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> God wanted another Billy Graham, I'm sure it would have been me, but he didn't want to. He only wanted one. And if he had made me what he had, if he had given somebody else's life to me, it would be a burden. If he, God had given somebody else's life to you, you, would, you, wouldn't, you couldn't live with it. It would be a burden. If you had somebody else's looks, <laughs> wouldn't fit you. It would be a burden. You see, we, our, our thing is we put people out there as an idol, American idol. We put people out there as idols. And then we think they are the perfect person and we wish we could be like them. And in reality, if we could be like them, their life would be a burden to us. If we could have the giftings that other people have, they would not suit our life and it would destroy us. God has made us the perfect us. Get used to it. It's you. There is no other you. There is no alternative you. There is only you, and God has given you the abilities to become what he wants you to be, and he has invested his talents, invested himself in our lives. 
And it is important for us to see that the investing that God has in us is an investment that is going to quadruple and continue to multiply right up into into eternity. Because who knows, who knows the long-term benefit of influencing one person's life to do good. Who knows, the person who influenced Billy Graham's life to be who he was. You know, we don't know who that was. But one, two individuals, and you see what a difference it made, not only in his life, but in the untold millions of people that he has affected and that continues to go in people's lives. And, you know, the, the, the preachers, the evangelists, the individuals that are godly men and what has happened in their life. Last night on uh, the uh, NFL, what were they doing, dear? Yeah. They were giving out these honors and they were looking for the um, individual who was the NFL's man of the year. <laughs> and, you know, most of the time, you know, you think of that, you think of privilege and esteem and things like this. And the guy that won it talked about his childhood, and they were going, they filmed it, and he was, he was he and his sister, and his mom was there part of the time. And they lived in a house in which they ran a, an extension cord to their neighbor's house so that they would have a light a light in their house, and that she left them uh, whenever he was in 11th grade, and that he he had to fend within the community for clothing and deodorant and soap and things like that, and he spoke so much of his poverty and how, how he came from that type of a setting to now being one of the top players in the NFL and how that the foundations that he now runs is for underprivileged children. And how that he gives the credit to God for how that God has brought him from those places to be where he is at now to affect the lives of children who are just like him. Who influenced this man's life as a child to follow God? Who influenced him to be the individual to see himself through the most difficult times of his life you see in our lives whenever we look at the difficult times we are facing they are difficult because they are perhaps the worst of our times the worst of our life but it doesn't mean they are the worst that life has ever offered or has ever given a you know on the face of the earth it just means these are difficulties and people have it have it hard my mom used to say we were so poor we didn't know we were poor (laughs) You know, we were so poor, we didn't even know we were the poor people in town. And, you know, it's just these things that we are so used to our life being our life that it's all we see and know. But think of it in the context that God has given you blessings and investments into your life that he then is coming to anoint And he is coming to empower. He is coming to take those blessings and multiply them. And that's what we see in this 5,000, 2,001. 
we see how that God has invested. And in 1 Corinthians 12, God's various gifts are handed out everywhere. God's various gifts are handed out everywhere. Hmm. They're handed out to each of his body, you and I. They're handed out. God is handing out his gifts. But these gifts all originate with God. They aren't things. See, there's nothing within us that causes the Spirit of God to ooze forth. It's like somehow inside of me is this specialness that God has and he just oozes out of me because I'm different than the rest of you. I'm better than You see, that is blaspheming God. To think that we are better than, that we are above, that people are beneath, and that somehow we are abnormally special. We are abnormally gifted because people without God don't have this. That the people of God have hope. The people that live in Christ have the potential. The people that allow the Spirit of God to live in their life will make a difference in their lives today and in the lives of others. And it is the power of God that flows from God into our life that enables us, that empowers us, that gives us strength. And it all comes from God. And we see that, but they they all originate in God's Spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere but they all originate in God's spirit, God's various expressions. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere. So we have gifts given out everywhere. We have actions empowered, being demonstrated everywhere. Everyone gets gets in on it. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone gets in on it. See, when we want to sit on the sideline and think that we don't have anything worth giving, we are then degrading the gift that God has given us. We're devaluing something that has originated in God and been invested in our life. See, you can't, we can't back off from who we are. You're the best you that's ever been created. <laughs> You're the best Jew that's ever been created. God only has one of you. That's it. Just one. You're it. And what you are is not beneath, is not second. This is a, you know, we have seconds that they don't turn out quite perfect, so we sell them at a discounted rate. (laughs) You're not a second. You're not flawed. You're just you. With your talents, your abilities, with your quirks. <laughs> Anybody have quirks? Anybody like, tell me about somebody who has quirks. <laughs> we all have quirks. We all have those idiosyncrasies that make us different. But these things are not our deterrents. These are just part of who we are. God loves us in spite of our quirks. But each person is given something to do Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. We are each given something to do to show who God is. 
God's investment in our life, no matter how small or how great, it is about showing, portraying, giving, believing, being part of who God is and, and, and extending out to other people. Everyone gets in on it. It's for everyone's benefit. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit to all kinds of people, and, they are, and, the, and the variety is wonderful. You are a variety of wonderful people. <laughs> yes, amen. You are a variety of wonderful people. <laughs> amen. You are a variety, you know. This is a variety pack. And what does it mean? We are a variety of people who have words of wisdom, words of knowledge, words of understanding, words of trust, words of healing the sick, miraculous acts, proclamations, distinguishing between spirits, knowing the difference between good and evil, diverse kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. You see, we each have this wonderful relationship with God. And after a long absence, the master of these three served and settled up with them. The one given $5,000 showed up how he had doubled the investment. His master commended him, good work. You did your job well. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You take what you had and you used it. You took what you had and you invested it and you doubled it. Stir up the gift that is in you. <laughs> Second, the servant with the 2,000 showed up, and he also doubled his master's investment. You see, there's five and there's two. Why didn't the guy with two get five? Why the guy with five? What was wrong? What, what, what made him so special? <laughs> he gave, God gave to him according to his talent, according to who he is. You see, we are not called to be somebody else. We're called to be the best person we are. I don't have to give account for your life, and you don't have to give account for mine. The opportunities that come to your life are not the opportunities that come to my life. And so the things that are presented to us, we are to live the best life that God has given to us, and the best life is now. It's not coming in a year. It's not coming in 10 years. Whenever we retire, it will really be good. <laughs> you know, when we wake up dead, that's when it's over. You know, that's it. We keep going until we, we get to arrive at the end of time, and it's all there. And so we take what we've been given. Take what's in your hands. Take what's in your hands. That's what God has given you. Take what's in your hands. Moses had a rod. God says, what's that? He says, throw it down. Throws it down, becomes a snake. <laughs> Whoa, wow, what a What a rod. God takes it, you know, he takes it to the, the, the Red Sea. What does he do there? Moses, hold it out there. Sea parts. You see the rod. He just take what you have. Take what you have. Allow God to bless it. 5,000, 2,000. And the one, huh, what did he do? You know, what I have is really of no value, and it won't be missed. What I have is of no value, and God won't care anyhow whether I use it or not. I'll just bury it. The master says, you're a slothful servant. You haven't got a clue about what value is. 
take what you, I'm going to take what you have and give it to somebody else. And see, that's where we are, that we are not to devalue the giftings that are in our life. Because if we set on what we've got, we're saying that God didn't think of us very highly. We're thinking that what we have is not that important, and God doesn't think that way, or he wouldn't have given it to you. Shall we stand? Thank you, Lord, for the gifts that you give to us, for us being who we are, that you have blessed us with your giftings. You have poured into our lives blessings and understanding and power and giftings, O Lord, that are far above anything we could have ever thought of for ourselves. And so, Lord, and you continue to pour these things into us. Help us, Lord, to become that person, this person that you have created, how that this person will grow on from here to become what you intended us to be. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing. Thank you, Lord, for your divine provision. Thank you, O Lord, for how that you have called us to be us, made in your image. Bless us, guide us, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. God bless you. (laughs) Amen.